From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chris. And Chad. Melody. And joining us this week is Stephen. He is an entrepreneur. Uh, He has a lot of expertise in the field of new media. Uh, He's put together several different podcasts, video shows online, does several different websites for many different companies. So we're excited to have him on the podcast this week. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. Definitely a big fan of the screeners, big fan of movies, and I know we've got some really good ones to talk about today, so I'm excited to... Yeah. Get into these. Now, normally we have a segment called Jump Cuts. We're going to actually cut that out this week because we have three big films that we want to talk about. Uh, and then we're going to play a great game in the cutting room floor. But, you know, first of all, I want to say we definitely want to hear from everyone that is listening to the podcast. So if there's something that you've heard that you don't agree with or maybe there's like things so that you'd like to talk about or uh, discuss on the podcast that we haven't yet, please, we want to hear your questions. We want to talk about your comments. Uh, head over to our website, ScreenersPodcast.com. Leave us a comment there or go to Facebook. Uh, we're there as well. There's no excuse. Any way that you want to contact us. Get involved. We'd love to hear from you and make this show better. So let's get the show started with the main event. Welcome to the main event. All right, for this week's main event, we have a triple feature, and we're going to jump things off with X-Men Days of Future Past. Professor? You're going to find this hard to believe. I was sent here for you. From the future? 50 years from now. Could you give me that one more time, please? Stay with me. In the beginning, the Sentinels were just targeting mutants. Then they began targeting everyone. I need your help. Tell whoever it was that sent you. I'm busy. The person who sent me was you. It's going to take all of us to end this war. We're gonna need Mystique. Why? You're a cold-hearted bitch. Well, don't hold back. Where's Magneto? That man is a monster. Charles. Good to see you too, old friend. This is gonna be fun. There is a new enemy out there. You'll need a new weapon for this war. Everything that happens now is in your hands. In the future. Do I make it? No. (laughs) X-Men Days of Future Past was directed by Brian Singer. Now, Brian Singer directed the first X-Men. He directed X2. And then he went on a little bit of a walkabout and did some other things like Jack and the Giant Slayer. So maybe he's back. Maybe he isn't. But I do want to talk about what you guys thought about X-Men Days of Future Past. The IMDb description says... The X-Men send Wolverine to the past in a desperate effort to change history and to prevent an event that results in doom for both humans and mutants. So my question to you guys is this. Is this Brian Singer of old, or is this what we've come to expect in the most recent Brian Singer entries? And where do you rank X-Men Days of Future Past? So we'll keep this very brief, and we'll talk about our general impressions before we jump into spoilers. And since Stephen is with us tonight... As the guest of honor, we'll let you go first. So, Stephen, what did you think about X-Men Days of Future Past? Yeah, well, you know, I went into this 
fully expecting to hate it. Um, and I, I had remembered that Brian Singer had, had really done well with the first X-Men and the second X-Men was, was even better. And then the third X-Men was awful. And I'd forgotten that that wasn't Brian Singer. So I was just expecting this to be more of the same stuff. I didn't think that the caliber of first class was going to really change this all that much. I knew the, the, the script for Days of Future Past was going to be really complex and probably too confusing for most audiences to get. And so I just figured it, it would be okay, but probably on the poor side of things. But once I saw the full picture and I got to see what Brian Singer was trying to do with all of these X-Men films, I was pleasantly entertained. I, I really felt like, wow, he actually had a goal with this film to kind of bring together all the X-Men films without getting too spoilery. I can honestly say I enjoyed it and I would put it on a high bar with maybe even X-Men First Class as one of my favorite X-Men films. And so is that uh, is X-Men First Class kind of the gold standard for you out of all the X-Men uh, film? Probably just because it had such a strong strong cast, strong script writing, strong strong performances across the board. Um, yeah, I, I would I would put that one as the top, and then maybe X two simply because that was once all the characters were established and we could actually have fun with the characters. Um, and then X Men would be the third, and finally Last Stand would be fourth. Okay, Last Stand fourth. Okay, so Wolverine wow. Wolverine doesn't even count. So yeah, we we, won't even we, we will that not one. acknowledge that those films uh, <laughs> exist. Although the Wolverine, the last I was going to say, wait a minute, the Wolverine was good. Yeah, yeah, was good. yeah come was, on now. Was, that one that one was okay. Yeah. Settle down, settle down, settle down. Uh, <laughs> attack, so, attack. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? And maybe tell us a little bit about your history with the X Men franchise, where where this kind of falls. Oh yeah, no. So for me. My entire life growing up, X-Men was where it was at. I remember in Wizard Magazine uh, in the mid-90s, they were talking about making an X-Men movie, and they had like just the claw of Wolverine and like a real world, it just kind of just the claw. And I was so excited. I could not wait for that movie. And then finally, when they came out, I thought they did an excellent job of rewriting that whole mythos for the screen. I'll be honest with you, walking into this film, I felt like it was going to be way too cumbersome because essentially what they were doing, we just talked about them, they were taking three different franchises and trying to make them into one cohesive timeline, which I thought was going to be insanely difficult. And I'm not actually totally sure that they accomplished that for me. Um, you know, they had the new film that just came out, First Class. They had the original three films with Patrick Stewart, and then they had you know the Wolverine uh, shoot-off films, and they were trying to merge all three of these, have them coexist very similarly with what they do, uh, with what Marvel Studios is doing with the Avengers, and I really do feel like it was, it was it was an okay attempt, but I'm not too sure that general audiences really got a whole lot of what was happening on the screen with X-Men Days of Future Past. It mm. is a very cool movie. And I think that the actual story, um, I'm sure they can get, but all of the ancillary kind of jokes and like even the ending of this film, which I won't get into right now, I'm not sure that hit anybody unless you're very familiar with what happened in the previous films. And so I'm... I, I enjoyed it as a geek, as an X-Men fan. I really got into this movie. But now that I'm, when I'm kind of going back and thinking about it again, I'm realizing, because I had several conversations with other people who 
were kind of fans of the genre, enjoyed other superhero movies, but the a lot of like the ending of the film as well as the kind of the uh, the side points that they make throughout the uh, the main story of Days of Future Past, I feel like are lost on a lot of people and people have a lot of questions as to what that meant and why that was there. But for me, at least, individually, personally, I loved this movie and it was a surprise because Brian Singer, I thought, had lost his mojo. Just like you were saying, Chad, like he kind of got off his rocker, I felt like, uh, and was not doing the caliber of stuff that he was doing before. I feel like for me, this is probably third on the X-Men pendulum for me. I, w- I-, I really enjoyed uh, First Class. Then I would say X2, and then I'd put it here um, as number third. I think you said that too, Stephen. I, that's exactly the the order in which kind of I'm 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 seeing things and and I think uh, I think Brian Singer did a great job. I'm 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 excited to see maybe where we go next because I feel like that could be very cumbersome, but who knows? It may be very cool. Yeah, and that was Chris's brief thoughts, ladies Sorry, and gentlemen. Sorry, apologize. Very I brief. To know that. <laughs> I'm brief, amazed at the brief over. Shut up. <laughs> so Chris Chris liked it and then loved yes. it, but then he let the he is letting the general public kind of make him uh, question that. So that's interesting. Melody, what about you? What did you think about this? this experience and where does it rank for you? Well, I was not again, uh, as similar to the last two, I was not expecting a lot from the film. Uh, in fact, I would have probably gone in ready to hate it, but then Chris told me what the Rotten Tomatoes score was. So I had my expectations slightly raised. I know (laughs) he does that. And I don't even get a choice. He just like tells it to me and then I've heard it and I can't unhear it. I know. But (laughs) besides that, uh, so that that raised my expectations a little bit, um, but I still wasn't really expecting a lot. Um, And I was really, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, I would definitely say it ranks up there similarly to the other two. Um, Although I got to say, I I loved First Class and X2 was great. My favorite one is probably the original one just because I was not an X-Men fan as a kid. Like I didn't watch the show. I didn't read the comics. So that was like my indoctrination into the world of X-Men. And so I loved the first one a lot. Um, And obviously X2 as well and first class. But for this one, okay, I realize this is going to make me sound more like a girl and less like a nerd. So whatever. Sorry. I really loved this one because of the heart of this film and like the message of this film almost a little bit. So it would probably be up there right after the first X-Men for me. So I know it's it's not very nerdy, but it's how I feel. And maybe it was just because I was really happy to see Patrick Stewart back. But I love the heart of this movie a lot. Chris, I got to say, I kind of disagree with you about audiences not getting it, though. I mean, now that we've talked about the very high Rotten Tomato score that it has, the, the audience Rotten Tomato score is even higher than the critics one. So it seems like audiences are very, very pleased with this film. Um, and I'm not sure that they have all that much to be confused by. They might not understand the full depth of reasons why things happen like you do because you have the context of the original source material. But I don't have all that context either. And I, I still love the movie and it didn't confuse me. So there yeah. it is for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to take it even a step further and say that for me, and I, I am going to make this brief and then we'll jump right into spoilers so we can really get down to some of the specifics about this film but I think number one I think Brian Singer this was a clear return to form for him although you know a lot of people kind of hate on Valkyrie and I I actually kind of like that movie but then after that uh, you know Jack the Giant Killer I think we actually reviewed that if I'm not mistaken you (laughs) know that uh, yeah I think we did I think we've forgotten that we even had a show about it it was so bad (laughs) but um but so 
coming off of that, I was kind of like, I'm not sure exactly what, what we're going to get here. But I have to be honest and say that this, for me, is my favorite of the mm. X-Men. Uh, for me, I would rank it, I would rank Days of Future Past, X2, and then probably First Class after that. And I, for a lot of different reasons. Number one, the, the one thing that is often missing from the from the superhero genre is in this in this ever-growing effort to make everything gritty and realistic and serious and heavy this movie was just a ton of fun and it was funny i mean it, there were literally like comedic beats that landed effectively my audience was laughing mm-hmm. and cracking up and smiling which then makes the action even that much more uh, impactful so i just thought it was really really fun it's a cast of fantastic actors with really solid performances you know all the way around from peter dinklage as bolivar trask mm-hmm. just really solid uh, and, and Michael Fassbender, of course, and James McAvoy, I thought, was stellar uh, in this movie. I mean, he's very mm. desperate and helpless, and, you know, he felt very human, whereas most of the time, you don't get that level of performance for me uh, in, in a superhero film. So for me, it landed, and I'm not a big X-Men comic fan, not for any reason other than I just never read. I came late to the game with the X-Men comics, but for me, I just thought there was a lot a lot of really solid things going on, some fantastic action, uh, and we'll get more specific in, when, when we get to spoilers. But if I had to, if I had to, of the th- three movies that we saw, you know, I this one was one that surprised me the most. I was not, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, and when I left, I thought, wow, that's that's great. And and one of the main things that I love about it is that this is like the biggest fu middle finger in history from from brian singer to brett ratner it's like yeah. okay you want to take x3 let's and destroy my, my universe yeah. no no i know i know but he's like you want to destroy my universe let me bring things back into the fold <laughs> yes. and i was just yeah. like literally clapping i was like yes they did it and we'll talk about that obviously but so for me i had a great time with this movie yeah. indeed obviously people did not like x3 and you know we can talk about what they've done with that now yeah so let's <laughs> uh, this film yeah let's let's talk about how uh how that ship has been righted uh, uh-huh. in spoilers. Yes. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? Before we get into any kind of specific things about, about the film, let's talk about the ending. Uh, and in particular, the the reboot or the relaunch, they kind of went the Star Trek route here where they kind of said, okay, we're going to make make believe that nothing that's happened before this ever happened. So we have, number one, a clean slate moving forward. But number two, the, I mean, I remember sitting in the theater in my mind, I thought they literally just said, Brett Ratner, Move to the side. It's over. Yeah. And I, it's like, this is so awesome that they did that, that they had the, because they really needed to do that because it's such a big black eye, in my opinion. What did you guys think about the time travel element? And then, of course, how they wrapped it up moving forward? Well, I, you know, I, the whole time travel thing was, a, was actually quite, quite cool. I like the idea that you just, you throw somebody's consciousness back in time rather than their actual physical body. I thought that was neat. And there was a moment in the film when Wolverine kind of got out of sync and then all of a sudden he, his, correct 1970s consciousness was back in his body and like where am i how did i get here why am i in paris and freaking out and then come back i I like that whole time travel dynamic i thought they did a good job with it my only problem is is that they didn't really do the uh star trek thing chad because we now know that xavier can't die 
We now know Cyclops can't die. Wolverine won't die. We now know that Kitty Pride and, 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 and all of those, ex- they're going to be alive in the future. Like, so for me, it seemed a little bit kind of like they've, they've dug themselves into a hole where now we know where the end point is. Uh, they're not in a different timeline or a different universe like, like they did with, with Star Trek. Now we are literally pigeonholed into knowing that in 30 years or 40 years, whenever that is, you know, Xavier has to have his head shaved and look like Patrick Stewart, where I wish we could have maybe, I don't know, not known those kinds of well, things. Yeah, but can't they just start the next film from there? I mean, they don't have to go back in time and retell exactly. those 30 years that have passed. They can start from where they came to. So you're telling me that we're going to now see all these old X-Men? That's, that's what you think the next X-Men is going to be is with a Patrick Stewart? people again or do you think we're going to get this excellent new cast like i feel like they've done no, this amazing I, thing I, I, with- I think what i think the bigger issue chris goes back to your original point is that your average joe moviegoer will not think about that at all they will just go see the, they'll just go see the next x-men my you know the my friends are not going to go to the theater and go now remember what happened last time guys we know nobody's going to die they're just going to go watch it so it, again uh. i I don't think, I so. think there's a lot of fans I don't think that so. will. I think yeah. fans will, but I but fans aren't the people that make up the majority. I mean, look at this. This is by far the most profitable X-Men ever. Uh, yeah. It just passed $600 million worldwide, and that's a lot more than just the geeks that are going to see that movie. It's People are going to see it because it had fantastic word of mouth. And so it's a great, it's a great movie. It's, it's a, a great fantastic popcorn, popcorn flick. And, and X Men is a brand that sells. When you say X Men, it all of them have done well. Even X Three did exceptionally well at the sure. box office. And when it's really good, it's going to do really good, like it's doing right now, because it's got excellent word of mouth. But what I'm saying is, as far as time travel stuff goes, they really like gave us a definitive like everything's fine, everything's going to be okay, isn't happy. And I was like, that's yeah. a great movie, fantastic. Oh wait a minute! The next movie is going to be what? <laughs> Just I don't, well, yeah, I don't know. We do know what the next will it? be. What what did we do? What what did they have? What did they said this next one's going to be? Stephen, have you heard? I haven't heard. Well, we know from the a little bit after the credits. Yeah. What? Who that character is? I, I don't know. How spoiler? No, we're in spoilers. Or do we want to get with that? We're in spoilers. Okay. Full spoiler. Go for it. Well. Okay, so we know that Apocalypse will be the next movie. We know by the movie title, we know that that is obviously who that is. Yeah. And Saba Noor and the Four Horsemen and all that. What I've heard is that this movie, X-Men Apocalypse, is going to be set in the 80s. And it's going yeah. to be with Fassbender and McAvoy. That, that's the cast they're going to mm. continue with. So that's all that I... Everything I've heard is... Because if you look at the way that Days of Future Past worked... All of them were cameos except for Wolverine. He was the only m- older character that was in this movie that was not a cameo from the from the you know older Patrick right. Stewart days. So what I'm saying is, is they they've set all of the McAvoy and Fassbender guys up as being the new face of X Men, which is going to be they're going to set it in the 80s. It's going to be X Men Apocalypse. That is what's going to happen. I mean, that, from all the the insider you know sources that we've heard. And so I'm not sure. Like I said, like. If, if you're watching that movie, you know that there are no stakes now, that the end is set. Unless we open with this and they've reset everything again. I don't know. I just seem, you know, time travel is always a little strange, especially when you do something so definitive as, say, the end point is set. And this is, and we've reset everything and now here we are. 
But well, yeah, I'm, but all I've got to say is that if they can undo the the death that was my soul after watching exactly. X three, then yeah. it's worth it. And if this they, if they so can fix it. that, they can fix anything. It's just I, I a agree. few lines of dialogue and it's fixed, right? So <laughs> I'm not. Right. It's really not that big a deal. I, what I really like to do is kind of uh, you know this movie isn't a perfect movie. We, uh, you know there were some things I didn't like. For me, I thought for sure that the first two-thirds of this movie were great, and then the ending, it just kind of lost a little bit of the momentum for me. Again, we've talked about it recently. I have fatigue of all these big, you know, it was cool to see Magneto pick up the stadium and drop it around the White House, but <laughs> come on. I mean, at some point, it's like, what was so great about this movie up to that point was that it was, mm-hmm. you know, the 70s milieu that we were in was really excellent, and it, it added a sense of realism in place, and all the moments that happened were were very focused and small-ish, and it just made everything yes. so exciting and then to open it up that big at the end to me it just lost it I mean one of the things that I really loved about this movie and I'd be curious to hear what you guys thought about it was this was the first of all the X-Men and I include the last battle in first class where I really thought we got great examples of what it would really be like if a group of mutants were fighting together. I mean, it was just so many cool things where they were, you know, uh, using all of their powers together, and it was just very exciting, especially all the stuff in the future. Yeah, um, with so. the Sentinels. Yeah, that was sure. that. That was the, the the cool. Like you could see what Xavier had done with that group of people because they've been fighting together for years, right. Right. under one banner, and had a. And that was very cool. Uh, no, Chris, I, 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 have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. Being an old X-Men fan of even the animated series and the comic series, were you at all troubled by the design concept for the Sentinels? Loved them. Loved them. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I did too. I yeah. just wanted to know your opinion on that. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think the, you two might be the only two of the diehard mm-hmm. fans. There's not a lot of love out there. One in the, the, the ones <laughs> in the 70s, of course, were you know Generation 1. So they're not going to be the ones that we see in the future and you know in like the 90s or 2000s, which would be the ones that we'd have seen in the, the television show from uh, you know the, the cartoon. So we never got to see those Sentinels. And the ones in the way future were super cool because they could, they you know, cool. morph and. Sw- so I liked it. I liked seeing the Gen One Sentinels, which I, I can't remember having ever really seen in the comics. Normally we just know, oh, they're Sentinels. Here they are. They shoot laser beams out of their, uh, their palms. You know what I mean? That 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 was not these guys. These guys were the first generation. Um, and I I don't know. I I kind of I kind of liked what they did with 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 them. My question is this. Going into this movie, there were um, several different Empire magazine covers that came out with the characters on them, and one of them featured Quicksilver. And the moment I saw this character, I thought, this is the silliest looking character. This is going to be stupid. I cannot believe they've made Quicksilver look like this. And then he rocked your face off. What did you guys? Yeah, was that not the best scene in the movie? Is, is, that was amazing. I, mean, I, I loved that scene. It was it was my favorite scene in the movie for sure. I, I I'm stunned at how much I enjoyed not only that scene though, but also his character, like the way yeah. he carried himself, and just like I liked that a lot. I was actually totally surprised by by that character. I have to say, Kevin yep. Peters, he's a really talented actor. Wasn't he? He's on um. Uh, American Horror American Story. American Horror Story. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, such a cool, interesting character actor. Yeah. And that's, I'm very excited that he's in this universe now. I agree. Yeah. And that's and that's what I was talking about at the beginning where I said that this movie had a real sense of fun to it. Yes. Because no, that absolutely. scene was at, at, the one, at one point hilarious 
and at the same time, freaking awesome. And it so was. it came together at the end, and it was just like this, yes. I mean, of course, I'm sure applause at the end of the scene. It was just it was yeah. fantastic. Yep. So, uh, yeah, there is this other Quicksilver now in this universe. Uh, I don't know if they're going to ever finally merge these. We saw a little blending of it with Spider-Man 2 and, and this movie, but I don't know. I don't know if uh, I like this the images that I'm seeing of the other Quicksilver. I really liked this Quicksilver in this movie. Um, I guess this the Quicksilver from Age of Ultron looks more like the uh Quicksilver that we know from the comic books, but I just really enjoyed the performance that uh, uh, we got from this movie, and I, it's a shame that they can't figure out some way of working together between these two studios. I, Obviously, yeah, it's all about money. Yeah, but yeah. The, you know, and it's it's especially in, well, it's especially frustrating as a moviegoer because he was Quicksilver was portrayed so well in X-Men and had the signature scene that was so cool and yeah. everybody fell in love with that character and now we get Aaron Taylor Johnson who I'm sure is a fine actor but who had as much charisma as a wet piece of wood in Godzilla yeah that's and so you know there's not a there's not a precedent there that gets me excited about anything although obviously First Avengers was amazing. Second Avengers, you know, with Josh Whedon, you would expect that it's going to be great, but it's going to, that's something I f- think they're going to have to figure out at some point. Cause, or maybe we could live in a universe where there are two awesome Quicksilvers. I don't know. And I think, I think we will, I think we will, you know, at the end of um, Captain America, we got our first actual scene with him and he seemed to be highly disturbed. You know what I mean? Like, so did his, his sister, um, Scarlet Witch. So, I feel like we may get a very different Quicksilver. You know, Quicksilver in, in the X Men universe is seems to be you know kind of a, a younger kid, and you know that the, this Quicksilver is much older. You know, he's been through some things, he's been experimented on. So I feel like we're going to get just a completely darker version yeah. of of him. So I don't, I think I don't I think they can both maybe live in the same space. We just get younger Quicksilver and we get older Quicksilver. Yeah, and I think that's not? I think that's the only way that it's really going to work is if they try to do something very different. And, and I think they are. I think they will. I think that's that's obvious from just the when we take a look at the costumes alone, we see that, you know, the varying, you know, differences between the two characters. One is very fun and light and the other one is, you know, much more darker and and true to the comic book of 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 what we're used to. Brian Singer is obviously very comfortable yeah. with all of yeah. these characters, yeah. and what what one thing that I've heard mentioned even tonight some is that this the the plot is somewhat complicated and there's a lot of plot there. Yes. But I never and and I I attribute this directly to Brian Singer uh, and his writers. I never felt like I didn't know what was going on, and I thought he did just a wonderful job kind of conveying what was happening. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I completely agree with that. I think it definitely was fun. But I also think, like I said before, like I think the heart of this movie was awesome too. Like I actually cried in this movie a little bit. And probably that's just because, again, Patrick Stewart has this way of delivering lines <laughs> of wisdom in, in a way that makes you a bit emotional. But also possibly because like I, I don't know. I just I, I love the heart of of him hoping in a person who feels like you know, they've let him down and I, that's a struggle that like I'm having in my life. So I'm sure I resonated with that. But I think that the combination of like the fun story, the awesome action, the great acting, the great writing, the great visuals, plus the movie can still have a heart to like resonate with. Like yeah. that's what I call an awesome movie. And so that's why 
like I said, this is my number one or number two X-Men of, of all time. Yeah. yeah. Big thumbs up. And that's why sure. it's my number one. I mean, the themes of X-Men are, you know, somewhat universal, you know, being different but not alone. And, and this one is just a perfect example of that. So let's wrap up, guys, and let's move to the next movie. So overall, it sounds like we're pretty positive. For me, this was huge, huge thumbs up, my favorite one. But it sounds like everybody else, is this a C in the theater or, or what do you think, um, Stephen? Definitely go see it in the theater. And I do have one little uh, tidbit to pitch to the universe. Stephen Lang from Avatar as Cable. Make it happen. Make it happen, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely yeah, see with it. The scars so. and the, yeah. 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 yeah Perfect. Cool. Cool. Chris? There's no doubt. This is one of the very best movies of the summer. It was, it was really, really good. And uh, I definitely recommend that you see it in the theater. Buy it when it comes out. It is, it is, a, it is a triple A Great movie. Great movie. Melody? Yes, absolutely. If you like movies at all, you will like this movie. Go see it. Yep. And for me, I say the same thing. See it in the theater behind Captain America Winter Soldier. This is my second favorite movie of the summer. So with that, let's move on to movie number two. Number two. All right, guys. For movie number two, we have Maleficent. Well, well. I shall bestow a gift on the child. Before the sun sets on her 16th birthday, she will fall into a sleep like death! I know you're there. Don't be afraid. I am not afraid. Then come out. Then you'll be afraid. Bring me her head. Is it true? Are you Maleficent? Okay, well, this film is an adaptation of the classic Disney film Sleeping Beauty. The IMDb description says, A vengeful fairy is driven to curse an infant princess, only to discover that the child may be the one person who can restore peace to their troubled land. So, yeah, I would love to hear your overall impressions of this film. Let us start with Chad. What did you think, Chad? Maleficent. Well... You know, I am always up for a reimagining or a reinterpretation of, you know, known classic stories. I'm a big fan of Wicked with the Wizard of yeah. Oz. And so I thought, you know, in the hands of Disney and Angelina Jolie, that this would be, if not for that, uh, I don't know how interested I would be. My overall thoughts are kind of, they're kind of split, honestly, because on the one hand, I was entertained somewhat by this movie, more than somewhat. I was entertained, and I appreciated a lot of the things that I saw. A lot of things in it really bothered me and drove me crazy um, and kept me from connecting with it. I think if I were eight years old, I would love this movie. Love it, love it, love it. But I'm not eight. I'm eight plus a several decades. And so, <laughs> so I didn't connect with it as much while at the same time 
walking out and actually somewhat enjoying the experience. So I don't know how much of that was just a kind of a cool twist on the plot uh, of a story that I'm very familiar with versus how good the actual film was. So when we get into spoilers, we can talk a little bit more about it. I think Angelina Jolie, her performance is singular in this film. And I think it's it without that, it, it would have been a, an absolute train wreck. But overall, I didn't love it. I just kind of appreciated it. Does that make sense, I guess? I don't it know. It makes quite a lot of sense to me. Uh, Steven, what did you think of it? Oh, okay. Well, Maleficent, has, it's, it's the, I guess, the, the best example of evil incarnate, that, that perfect example of a black and white, just evil character. You know, there's no remorse, there's no pity, there's no regret. She's just simply evil in the original. And in this one, she is not the mistress of all evil, but is, has, has a, a heart and has this story and has this interesting perspective. And I know that that's what audiences really want out of their bad guys. We don't want those two-dimensional, flat bad guys anymore. But the, the, the workup to, to get us to care about her, her, her rise and fall and rise again... Uh, just took too long really it was just i just got tired by the second act the wind was out of the sails and even though it was an interesting perspective much like wicked had an interesting perspective on a you know very well told story i just was too tired by the end i I (laughs) can't say i enjoyed this Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's and it's only ninety seven minutes long. Yeah, oh. it's not exactly the longest of all films. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, Chris. What about you? Yeah, I'm definitely middle of the road. I really actually quite enjoyed the first like half an hour, forty five minutes of this world they were creating, and I felt like the the weight of Sleeping Beauty, the the story we're all familiar with, as the thread that connects everything really weighed this movie down too much. I wish they would have just jettisoned all that and told like a alternate reality version of that rather than trying to make all the the beats in that film work in the, the beats in Sleeping Beauty work for this movie. I just I think you were saying this Stephen and I, I think rightly so that they tried to make make it work where wherever wherever we saw her in Sleeping Beauty, she was evil. But then, you know, the next minute we understood, oh, that's why she did it. And I felt like it was too compromising and there was a lot of just things that didn't make a whole lot of sense as an adult watching the film. I agree, the visuals... At the very beginning of this movie, I, I got that um, Oz the Great and Powerful feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, oh my goodness, this is going to be another one of these. I'm not going to like this. Another one of these really good movies that you guys I, should have liked. I really didn't like that movie <laughs> oh, at all. Whatever. Um, and so, but I, I thought that was where this was going to go. But I think it did a, a better job of it. I just wish, you know, I, we're not in spoilers yet, so I guess I won't won't go there. But I just I, I know that they they tried to do things differently for a quote-unquote you know, new audience, and I'm not sure they really succeeded in the way that they should have if they would have just took a, took a fresh look at the whole story rather than trying to be beholden to Sleeping Beauty as a whole. So that's just my feelings. Very middle of the road, very kind of, eh, it was okay. Yeah, 
that seems to be the general consensus of lukewarm liking. Yeah. And I, I agree. I liked this movie. I knew, you know, when it had a PG rating, it, it wasn't going to be anything earth shattering. It was going to be more child friendly. But I, I expected it to be pretty good based on the trailers, you know, were, were pretty compelling. And I enjoyed the experience. And I think some of the visual, the visuals were, were stunning, were really good. Some of them weren't. It's always fun, you know, to see a story told from another point of view. And I do think it's fun. Like if you have that love for the Disney Sleeping Beauty, which the people that that we went with do. And so they love to see, oh, that's the classic moment from the movie. And then, you know, they've changed it to fit this storyline instead. And I, I think that, that, that there's part of that that is fun. I do agree with Steven about getting super bored partway through and just thinking like, Oh, my word. How long have we been sitting here? How much longer is this movie? So I, I agree kind of with the lukewarm feelings. I will say, kind of like what Steven was saying, it feels like someone at Disney has been just like seriously wounded by someone who who just really betrayed them or something. Because And they're like taking their angst out on these films for children so that kids can somehow be taught that seemingly trustworthy people might not actually be so trustworthy. Like the... I was thinking this during the movie, like three big Disney movies have all had these characters who, you know, the kids start out trusting them, but then they end up betraying the heroine of the movie, like Tangled. The mother is very confusing and tangled and confusing for small children to understand because she says that she loves her and she, you know, whatever. And then Frozen, the same thing, like Prince Hans pretends to love Anna or whatever. um, And his betrayal is very unexpected. And now in this one, King's. King Stefan is the one who seems to truly love her at the beginning of the movie. And then his reasons for betrayal are very complicated. It doesn't make any sense, actually. Well, I I don't know that it doesn't make any sense. I think it's it's just very, like, (sighs) adult themes that they're trying to, like, these layered motivations of of the evil is, is coming out. And part of me thinks, like, I guess that's fair enough because villains in, in the real world are way more layered and gray than they are two-dimensional and black and white. So, maybe that's good for kids? I don't know, but it seems complicated and, and almost more scary for the kids. So, I, I don't know. I For me, like, for my kids, they won't be seeing this till, like you said, Chad, maybe eight. Um, it's pretty dark. Like, it's got some pretty significant violence and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, it does. On that same point, like, to put it next to another movie that is made by the same production company, though Oz the Great and Powerful, another movie where we establish a character and then through distrust they betray the people that love them. And, uh, you know, it's it's a very similar storyline that they do keep bringing up over and over. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I actually disagree with you, Chris, just a little bit. I think one of the interesting things about this movie is as ham-fisted as it was, was the way that they did hit all the beats for Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty. It was kind uh, of a neat, I don't think they, it's kind of they justified neat, it enough. Well, I'm I not really saying don't. that they did a good job of it, but without it, what would this be? You know, that was for me at least. A it better was, movie. No, I disagree. I think it was interesting <laughs> to see all of the little ways behind the scenes that they were able to kind of keep the story intact on the one side versus the, the kind of the motivation they were trying to give on the backside. Although, you know, the big, the big problem they have here for me was just that outside of the of the central character nobody was interesting no characters were developed it was just even like the little fairies that are supposed to be funny they weren't (laughs) funny but but they could have been hilarious just with better writing Mm -hmm. they just weren't you know charlotte copley who is probably the world's best at acting like a madman he was just 
his motivations, you know, Melody, you mentioned that you felt like they were complicated. I actually felt like they were just completely nonsensical. I didn't yeah, understand they, they, anything that he did or why he did it. You know, did. sure, you could say, and we'll get into spoilers, you could say it was for greed or ambition, but that's not, that no, wasn't conveyed in the in, in is, the performance. It's to justify the story. A plot point, of course. Right, that's for all, sure. No, no, no. It, it literally, it makes no sense because it make it, it's just there so that she can... Uh, again, she got what, what she got a, uh, the the true love's kiss at sixteen. Oh well, no, I don't want I don't want to forget. Yeah. Spoil. I'm just saying it's just careful. there. Yeah, it's just there spoilers. to justify the fact that she can look evil in Sleeping Beauty, but in fact be justified in this movie. Sure. I I just. I, I just or think it, I, somebody I like at that. Disney is taking out their angst because they got betrayed. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, then, that maybe both both might be true. I just don't think that person's a very good writer in justifying people that, that this this particular you know reasons for doing. I what agree. They're doing. I sure. agree. It made yeah. very little sense. The, the story did very much lacked cohesion. It was not a, a it was not a consistent narrative through line. Uh, although yeah. I do think I agree with you, Melody. I do think there were some visuals in this movie that were stunning. And, and this director, mm-hmm. this was his first feature film. He's he came up through the ranks doing a lot of kind of heavy. CGI stuff, and I think that comes through. Yeah, and that's why I like the first clearly. forty-five minutes of this movie. There were some great moments of there were of, of flying through the clouds and like moments of like majestic beauty. And I loved Even all the that. battle was cool with the trees yes. all, and all that. Yeah, was great. that was awesome. Very, very good. St- that's what I'm mm. saying. Like, I really wish, honestly, I wish we would have spent ninety percent of this movie before the events of Sleeping Beauty, and then like her be evil during the events of Sleeping Beauty, yeah. and then pick up and ask for redemption. Yeah, and like, I just don't get why they did what they did like the the thread just i just i didn't like it well they did what they did because they want to have a movie but yeah. you know i i think i i agree that we and steven is right that we in this day and age we expect to have more excuse me more layers to our villains but you know what sometimes people are just bad you yeah. know people are just bad and they can be a villain and that's okay in a story and so this whole reinvention of every evil character at some point that that well's going to yeah. run dry but uh, let's give our overall opinions on this and then let's move into spoilers so uh, steven uh, is this a theater or a rental or skip it <laughs> uh, a rental definitely for the cheekbones alone you should rent it. <laughs> they are they're they quite are. a visual spectacle yeah they are pointy that's true chris what about you you could skip this altogether i don't think there's anything here that if you're if you're of our age and and back i don't i don't think you need to see the movie yeah i would say a rental for sure and like i said i think there's fun to be had here uh if you are a young enough person but also old enough to watch it so like maybe between eight and 14 ish maybe you you would like it but yeah a rental for sure what do you think melody yeah i agree I, i think it's maybe worth a watch on a rental if you're bored one night but um probably not worth the money at the theater so let's talk about a few more things in spoilers there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my arts in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware of what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. Okay, uh-huh. so here's one of the things that we definitely started talking about as soon as we walked out of the movie, and that is the true love's kiss thing. <laughs> and, uh, of course, like, I mean, I <laughs> certainly saw it coming, um, the fact that it was not going to be the prince, that it was going to be Maleficent, that was going to be the true love's kiss. But I found it very annoying that, like, Frozen already just stole all of that thunder away from that because that was, like, yeah. the main point in Frozen was that it was, you know... That wasn't the true love. So I don't know. Why did you guys think about that? Did you like that? Did you think it was annoying? What? 
uh, on that point, yeah. the whole first season of Once, that is the plot. That is the plot of Once. So I don't know why they didn't recognize that they'd have already written this before. <laughs> Not just in Frozen, but as a TV show. Um, I don't. I don't know what's going on with Disney. Anyway, Chad, sorry. No, you're Some... fine. Well, I, I'm of two minds on this because, on the one hand, I think the scene was actually somewhat effective emotionally, uh, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. And her, and again, Angelina Jolie, who I think still did a wonderful job, was very emotional there. I was affected, and so I thought they did a good job. I thought it was cute the way the prince actually said. They were like, "Do you want to kiss her?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, of course." And he's like, "But I just met her, right?" So that was funny because they kind of acknowledged that this is the this is the trope i do agree though that it is frustrating because frozen has that exact same message and i'm all for you know empowerment of women and 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 breaking the tropes of you know of the prince and the princess and the man always comes in to save the day i really am i'm all for that but you can't ring that bell every time and so for me coming just on the heels of frozen it was much less impactful even though the scene in and of itself, I thought was effectively done. And I, you know, what well, I don't know. At that point, the movie was was what it was. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I think that's really well said, Chad. I, I feel the same way. Uh, what, so about the visuals, like I was going to ask you guys specifically, I, I personally thought the dragon was like amazing, really, really good. I was going to ask, what did you like the, the cheekbones on Angelina Jolie? Did you like her look? And also, did you like the look of the fairies? Uh, I loved Angelina Jolie. She looked very, very good, and the smiles and performance, especially in that when she was being evil, it was so good. Which is the reason why I wish mm. they would have. Yeah. Anyway, we don't get to see her that much like that. We try. They try and make her look. Because you know, she's be, not evil. Oh, Chris. It's okay. She's mm-hmm. fine. But when she was evil, oh my goodness, that smile she gave and the laugh and just all that was. But we don't get to actually see that version of her character. We just we get to see that she was a fairy who lost her wings. Oh, I just that was a bunch of baloney. I I I, I don't know. I, the fairies were terrible. Your heart is hard, sir. In every <laughs> single hard. way. It's one of those, what do they call it? The uncanny valley of CG where like the fairies are like, whoa, this is creepy and strange. And so didn't care for them at all. But if if, if Angelina Jolie would have been allowed to be evil the entire movie or we'd have seen more of that, I would have enjoyed the film infinitely more because she was, as they say, chewing the scenery uh, as that character and was so good. That's what I was honestly expecting from this movie. I mean, I knew that it was her origin story. But I really thought that they would take her to an evil point because she right. did it yep. so well. Yep. I, I will say yep. her performance was amazing in in some of the lighthearted parts too. Like yeah. some of the jokes really worked, and it was sure, because of sure. Angelina Jolie's performance that they worked mm-hmm. at all. No, I, I agree. Also, I agree. Also but... heard that her actual child played Aurora as a as the like two year old. Uh, you guys know that? No, I didn't know the that. Scene oh. where um, she the, shaves her off the she cliff. Walks cliff? No, well, I don't know about that scene. I know it's the scene where she's walking through the woods and Maleficent is fixing a tree and right. she, she picks like her up and her touches horns. her horns. Yeah. yeah, that was her actual daughter. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Couldn't find a child that could look at her in full costume and not be terrified. That's so interesting because I remember seeing, I remember during that scene thinking, wow, like, where did they get this kid? My kid would be scared of this lady, but she's totally good with her. So that's funny. Yeah. And I actually saw an interview with Angelina Jolie and she was saying that now her kids around the house make her do the voice all the time. <laughs> I, she was so good at it. I mean, I agree Great. with it. I, it was, she was very good. And like I said, even in those, those more tender moments and laughter and all that was great too, but it was yeah. two completely different movies in I, my opinion. I agree. I just, 
I'm just I'm I'm always of the opinion that we can forgive a lot of story problems uh, and even structure problems if if the characters are developed fully and the yeah. and the performances are excellent and it just goes back to me that the only time that you can enjoy much of in my opinion what's on screen is when Maleficent is on the screen and everything That's else true. is just falls flat it just totally falls flat but. all right well good job to Angelina Jolie not so much with the rest of it yeah. that's what the screeners have to say agreed number 3 our third film attempting to rewrite history is Edge of Tomorrow. What I am about to tell you sounds crazy. But you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. This is not the end. This isn't the first time. Now we've had this conversation. What day is it? Judgment Day. You just came in with the fresh recruits. Come find me when you wake up. I need your help. With what exactly? Winning the war. We can do this. Just come here every day and I'll train you. I'm not a soldier. Of course you're not. You're a weapon. The IMDb summary of Edge of Tomorrow reads as following. An officer finds himself caught in a time loop in the war with an alien race. His skills increase as he faces the same brutal combat scenarios, and his union with a special forces warrior gets him closer and closer to defeating the enemy. All right. I am really excited to talk about this movie. Uh, Melody, what did you think of Edge of Tomorrow? Well... I have to say that I had tempered the excitement that I wanted to have for this movie because seriously, how many action sci-fi flicks can Tom Cruise do? <laughs> they always get me excited and the trailers always overpromise and the movie always underdelivers. And at some point, you know, you just have to like harden your heart against the hope of, of greatness. So maybe my lowered hopes are partially an explanation for the great love that I have for this movie, okay? Uh, but whatever the explanation might be, I love it. I loved it. Uh, not, not so much for, like, the heart behind it like I did in X-Men, but for, like, the unapologetic way that this movie just is what it is. It is a fun action sci-fi film that actually delivers on everything that it promises, in my opinion. And, like... The plot didn't blow me away with awesomeness, um, and I have, like, a couple, you know, bigger complaints about it. But really, all in all, for for such a complex idea, I think the plot was really solid. I think it's smart without taking itself too seriously, and it's a ton of fun. The movie, you can totally follow it, even though it's a bit of a complex idea, which is saying something, you know, for a movie that is so nonlinear in, in a unique way like this. And um, I also thought, like, the blend of the darker humor with the deeper elements of, like, more subtle character development and character building was pitch perfect. I thought the visuals were amazing. And the action wasn't too shaky. Like, you could actually follow what was going on. So I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. <laughs> All right. Chad. I loved it. Chad, what did you think? 
Yeah, I liked it a lot. I didn't love it, love it, love it, but I liked it quite a bit. I've been a fan of Doug Lyman ever since The Born Identity. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, okay, Jumper, I'm going to pretend I didn't really ever see that, even though I did. But I have been a fan of his because I think he does do a very good job as an action director conveying what is happening within the scene, even when it's grandiose action like we got in this movie. And so that is one of the, the strengths of this film is that it is, in my opinion, one of the best blendings of like high-tech sci-fi gadgetry and CGI with real people that I've yeah. ever seen, mm. yep. that I have ever seen. Um, yep. I, at no point, literally, well, maybe one or two points toward the end, but almost at no point did I ever get pulled out by saying that's obviously green screen, that's obviously CGI. It was just a beautiful world um, that they put together. I love the idea. I actually, and this is not unique to me, I'm sure almost anybody that was around that's seen these movies said the same thing. I was actually thinking to myself, this is awesome to see Groundhog Day as a sci-fi battle movie. You know, I thought I thought <laughs> yeah. to myself, at, again, wow, this is also awesome to see a real version of a video game. It's like, okay, like that mm. old school video game where mm-hmm. the same enemies yep. always busted out from the same place and you had to memorize it, right? Yep. So it was just very... Very, very fun. I have some some issues with it, as and it's mostly related to the last third of this movie, mostly related to um, the loss of tension and a little bit of it strains believability, just a little bit, and that's saying something in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But overall, I very, very, very much liked it. I'm a little disappointed that it's not doing better at the box office because yes. I think <laughs> that um, I think it deserves to be seen. It's really, really a strong, strong film, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Stephen. Well said. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Stephen, what do you think, man? I absolutely agree with Chad. Um, this needs to be seen. In terms of like time travel movies, I mean, we've already talked about one on this podcast. They're always, there's always like that moment where you're like, okay, but why didn't they just do this? And with this movie, he does. He does like every single option you can think of. And it's amazing that like... And some that you don't. You can... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, something that you don't. Um, it's amazing that they were able to write a, a script that allowed for humor and uh, time variations, and yet I, and never at once did I think, man, I'm, I'm not in this. I don't, I don't get this. I don't get that. I'm not laughing at that joke. Every single step was just on beat, on par. I loved every single thing they did. I completely agree with Melody. Um, Tom Cruise was amazing. Emily Blunt was amazing. Now, the last movie I remember seeing her in, it's Looper, right? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah, and, which is awesome. Um, totally threw, threw me because when I first heard that she was in this, I was like, wow, that's like kind of lame that they would use such a, a pretty girl as this hero. I won't get too spoilery, but that she's a hero of war. I, I wasn't really buying that until the reasons came in, and I was like, wow, that's such a great mechanic and wow this works so well and i was just i was really impressed that i liked it as much as i did because i really have a hard time usually with time variant type films except for you know back to the future where i know "Ah, it's it's just fun this one was "Ah, it's just fun but it was also really well written and i loved every bit yep 
Okay, so for me, this is this is my favorite movie of the summer by a mile. Uh, there, this is my, this is the movie was designed for me. I said the elevator pitch for this film is Groundhog Day meets Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely because there's humor. There's it's perfectly paced. You, you, in a film like this, that's literally about repeating events, it doesn't get repetitive, which is in and of itself quite an accomplishment because normally you just see that and they do it for the first couple times where you're like okay i get the point is there going to be more than this and then all of a sudden it breaks it up and you're seeing different perspectives different moments the dark humor with him attempting you know different things and suddenly dying and like realizing that maybe that wasn't the best choice and doing random things going off and you know just having a a, a drink because he did he was wanted to have a drink that day um you know just that that was just a good just i don't know i really liked what they what they did with this film and where they went so anyway it's hard for me to talk about it without getting into too many spoilers because mm-hmm. When I first saw the trailer, I thought it was going to be going in one direction. And as they explained why he could do what he could do, why Emily Blunt's characters was who she was, it just there was surprise after surprise after surprise. And by the end of this movie, I just wanted to, you know, give a round of applause, pat the man on the back who created this film, and say this is my movie of the summer. I can't imagine. I, I, the only other thing I can think of is that perhaps Guardians of the Galaxy may lead up, you know, may, may trump this one. But I, man, I love this movie. It was spectacular in every way. So, anyway, let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into spoilers and, and chat a little bit more about the actual plot of the film because I feel like if we get too much into it right now, we're ruining too much for people. So let's just go through it real quick. Melody, should people go see this movie? You have to see it. Everyone should see it. It's amazing. Go see it right now. Don't spend your money on anything else until you see Edge of Tomorrow. Amen. Chad, how about you? Yeah, you definitely want to see it in the theater. I do have some problems with it, which I'm glad we'll get to talk about because you guys are all passing out over the greatness. But we'll talk yeah. about that in spoilers. But yeah, you definitely should see it in theaters. It's It should be seen. It's a, it's a good time. Steven? I would definitely say watch, watch, and repeat. (laughs) See this movie a couple of times. You probably need to see it a couple of times to make sure like everything makes sense. But I absolutely say see it in theaters. It's the best way to watch it. Yeah, I think it. Like I've already praised over it enough. Obviously, no film is perfect, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it is as perfect as it can possibly be and still be a fun ride. Uh, See it in IMAX, see it in 3D if you can. The visuals and the 3D, there's a moment in this movie where Tom Cruise throws something at the screen and I literally jumped out of my seat. I mean, there there are some moments that are truly thrill ride, you know, caliber stuff. So I kind of want to go see it again right now. I know I do too. I want to stop talking. And before we jump into spoilers too, just for the people that are listening that may have not seen it yet too. uh, The one thing about this movie that really caught me off guard and you guys have mentioned it, but I really think you, I put in all caps in my notes when I left. It was like, this movie is hysterically funny. Yes. Laugh out loud. Laugh out loud moments. At at horrible moments, too. At horrible moments. It's amazing. In in any other context, awful, (laughs) awful moment. (laughs) But but, but at the same time, like, uh, because you you have the freedom of this plot device, this Mm -hmm. repeating time, 
you can have fun in those moments yeah. and you can it's just like a video game literally like it's a really good um a way to put it uh, chad because in a video game you try something you die and then you're like well all right i won't do that again that's right or i will do that again i'll just do it better this time i'll do it right. faster this time and we'll yeah. just keep doing it Absolutely until it right. works yeah and, guess, it, and cool. it needs to be said too that i have not been i have not been on the tom cruise hate train i've even in the middle of his height of his insanity the oprah couch and all that stuff the man is still a phenomenal movie star and an actor he's amazing. He's but great. he's great in this movie and so is so, emily, so is emily blunt but tom cruise and, is great in and this actually, movie. i want to talk about why let's go spoilers but hang on a second but but i'm just real quick i'm not getting the spoiler this character actually goes through a journey i was not expecting to see the depth of his character change from beginning of the movie to the end so we'll go into spoilers but I'm, i just wanted to say you're right, Chad. Like this guy is a movie star. He's great. He is. He's really great. It's it's a good movie. So, and a good movie star. Okay. So let's go into spoilers. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there, and all that dark, and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. Okay, like I completely agree with you guys about about Tom Cruise's acting and about his transformation in this movie. I was not anticipating, but based on the trailers, I was not anticipating the weak, cowardly, selfish, deserter type person that he was when this movie begins. Yeah. And so when I'm watching the first few minutes of it, I'm like, who who is this character? Whoa, this is completely throwing me off, but I, I kind of like love it, it yeah. because this is not what I was expecting. Okay, I'm in. I'm, I'm hooked or whatever. And the way that he changes throughout this movie and the reasons why he changes and the subtleties, I think, of the change. Like, so many things about this movie seem very subtle to me. It's They're not, like, slamming it in your face. It, you have to have a level of intelligence not so much it doesn't take itself too seriously but but the subtleties of his change are extremely compelling i loved it and i think it gave him room like like you were saying to display his acting skills more than his usual you know just action film star roles and i think that the subtleties of his acting played into the subtleties of his change and it was amazing well my my, I agree with you. My favorite point in this movie that I was not expecting, and I think you brought this up, Stephen, is that Emily Blunt's character had gone through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why she believed him. And that's why they were able to have that relationship because she had gone through this before and she was able to coach him. I was really not expecting that because every single one, sure. correct me if I'm wrong, but in the other movies, even when you have a character who is more willing to believe you still had to spend the first half of the day explaining to that person that this is a real thing and then you could get into the action or whatever right. with her it's in that immediate like the same thing happened to me is happening to me that happened to you at whatever the name of that battle was and she's immediately in and yeah. i love that it, 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 it was tightened cool. things up yeah it was cool one of the things though that bothered me a little bit about it is that and and i'm a big proponent of you judge a piece of art and you judge a film for what it is not what you yeah. wish it was so so I, i'm kind of toeing the line here just a little bit but it bothered me a little bit that I, first of all the, i agree with steven the mechanic of how tom cruise's character came to possess this power and that's what they call it their power in the movie was was awesome i love that mechanic what i didn't love is that 
if I see one more movie where if we just find the big pod and we blow up the pod, then we win the war and everybody dies, <laughs> yes. it's going to freaking yeah. drive me crazy. This was a perfect opportunity, and this is why I was somewhat disappointed. What an amazing opportunity for the first two-thirds of the film with the setup for them to actually try and outsmart each other where it's just the men against the creatures, you know, the men and women of, of the world versus the creatures, and we have to outsmart each other by resetting the day and trying to do that and then we just win the war because we kill them all or whatever instead of this because it's just such a trope and it's so tired and for me when it got to that point in the movie the ending part of the movie where they're going into the Louvre which first of all they should have died nine times on the way into that Louvre. Okay? I mean, the fall into the deal. I mean, they literally should have died nine times. So I was like, come on. But yep. putting that aside, it just for me, because you already lose, and this is just my opinion here, but you already lose a little bit of the, of the stakes when you know that there's no consequences to death. Okay. So it can be funny and it can still be exciting, but you lose but that- a little bit. I know. Hold on. So when it gets to the point that you, that that mechanic is now gone and the next time he dies, they die. Right. That is great. That's all great. But then they put it in the middle of this cartoony kind yeah. of video gamey conclusion that for me just didn't live up to what had been set up to that point. Like if I, they if they had ended it differently for me, then this is my favorite movie of the summer. But it was such a kind of a uh, meh at the yeah. end. Be, yeah. It'll be super meh. spoilery. Would you have rather that he died at the end and that be it? Like well, a dark there, ending? Is that what you wanted? Well, no. There's two different things. Number one, I'm okay with them bringing them back, although that's super Hollywood. But the way they did it felt kind of earned, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh I probably would have preferred that they just died. That's fine. But for me, it was the whole conceit of this is how we kill the big bad, right? I just thought that you had you had the construct and the structure there to use this mechanic of resetting the day and they know what we know and we took their power to really set up some like really cool strategic kind of battle thing within this day as opposed to just the old... Let's drop a grenade in the thing, and then it blows up, and then all the soldiers fall down, and then we win because we've seen that a thousand times. I agree, and that's that's the Starship Troopers, you know, thing came in for me because that's that is kind of what it felt like. But I I, I thought that they had done that, Chad. Like I do agree with you. Like I wish that they would have ended differently. I don't know what you could have done. I still like the movie. I, I don't think that that completely destroys the rest of the film for me. I wish they could have ended it differently, but. You know, the, the midway through, we find out that they had been lying to Tom Cruise about this. And when he got to the place where the Omega was supposed to be, it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I got you guys. Good job. This isn't the way it's going to be. It's got to be something else that we're going to do. But then they just went straight back to the Omega. But then it was. It was yeah. yeah. And, you know, and let me let me clarify. It didn't ruin the movie for me. I very, yeah. very much enjoyed this movie. But there are just a few things like that that keep me from fully no, embracing it like you guys I, do. Oh, I do fully embrace it even though that. But I agree with you. I thought that they had gotten around it. Like I thought that that was a plot point that they were trying to make fun of. Like how you know how could we have thought that it was just been one thing? We have to do this, not that. I definitely agree that the, it falls it falls a little bit apart in the third act. But for me, oh, so, I, I love the ending. I, and the the only problem that I have with the ending is that I I didn't get it <laughs> when I saw it. Like I didn't get why he woke up again. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the blood got on him. But yeah. If, yeah. If that if the omega is what controlled the time stuff, well then why didn't it just go back when it died? Right, and why did he wake up like at a different time? Right. I, I was yeah. very confused and about when it was that he woke up earlier than 
but the timeline had changed. That and, was weird. Well, and why didn't he die when he fell down 45 feet and with yeah, broke every rib and then irritating. still had the ability to swim a mile mm-hmm. under the water? Because he's Tom <laughs> Cruise, <laughs> that's why. No, I, I agree. And I mean, the biggest plot, and this is the plot hole for me, and I don't, I don't even cause, I almost don't even bring it up, but like, if that was the case, I wish, you know, there's so many plot points that plot holes, but the main one for me was why didn't the Omega just kill an alpha the moment that they saw the people coming, like Tom Cruise's folks coming, and then the next day just blow them apart. Like, for me, there, there, there are those moments where you're like, oh, this movie could have been solved easy. But honestly, I feel like in order for the movie to be a movie, you just have to kind of give that away and just say, okay, this is a Hollywood ending. This is just a fun... He... In my brain, when that happened, I felt like he had now the power of Omega, and he felt like I can go back wherever I want and start th- start things over. And what I would do is I would never have joined the freaking military. <laughs> I would have been, you know, right before all those events happened, and I would have go- gone back, and 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 everything would have been destroyed, and and it would have been over. And so that's what I felt like he did: is he started the day over, he destroyed everything. And you know now he has his perfect his perfect uh, yeah but it's 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 hard slate. to reconcile with that ending sure. when the two thirds before that have been so tight I agree um, right, I agree you know. I agree with you I agree there's no so, doubt there's no doubt you believe that he's living that loop over and over again of that perfect performance no no I think he destroyed the Omega yeah so, so from now that day on they're all dead yeah when he when he the when he was flying when he when he flew in the, the the last sequence when he was flying down in the helicopter. The, the the all the aliens were dead. He he but literally it was earlier in time. Like that's what was confusing because that I understand. No. He, I don't he, understand why he went like two days back. He went two days back because in my in my brain, obviously we can ask the 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 writer of the screen what he, what the script of what he thought. But in my brain, he then got the power of the Omega and decided I'm going to go back here and. Everything that I just did still happened. I don't think he decided it. He wasn't acting like he was self-aware of, of taking himself back to that point. He seemed confused right. and surprised. Yeah, no, but I, again, in the moment before, b- before death or while he was being oh, consumed okay. or whatever else, he, he said... made that decision to go exactly, there. Exactly, exactly, correct. And yeah, so that's, that's a stretch, I think. It is, yeah, totally it is. is. But I, that, that was the only thing that I could come up with to say... That's the reason why, number one, he went back earlier. Number two, all of the aliens were destroyed as if he had done that event sure. two days you I know, think, into the future. I think the reason that it happened future. was just as simple as that the um, the studio executive said we needed a happy ending, and that's why it happened. Yeah, yeah and I'm I, honestly totally. totally fine with it because I freaking loved the movie, so whatever. <laughs> and for those have that, a happy ending, I don't care. For those that are listening to the section that haven't seen the movie yet, I have a, a fun I spy for you. If you can find Irene Adler in this film... Because she is credited, and I do, I knew no one with the scene that she's in. Uh, what? Have fun trying to find her. Irene Adler from Sherlock. The, the actual she's, actress or the, the um, actual the, actress oh, or okay. Pulver is in this film. She has no speaking role, and she literally is standing next to Tom Cruise in one scene, and that's that's the only time I see her at all in the film. That's weird. Yeah, that weird. very strange. You're just trying to get more people to see it again. Yes, go yes, see I am. Again. Yes, I am. Go see it. <laughs> awesome. Especially All just right. to see the scene of Tom Cruise getting run over by the truck. The truck. That was hysterical. <laughs> that was so the, the noise that that made, and <laughs> oh. the entire theater went, "Oh!" You know what I mean? Like it was one of those just hilarious, amazing moments. It was yeah. great. It was I so- could seriously talk about this movie all day, but um, we should just all go watch it again instead. Amen. Let's do it. The cutting room floor.
All right, for this week's Cutting Room Floor, we thought after the grand success that was our game last week where Chris Farrell <laughs> was defeated at the hands of me, the champion. Uh, that there would the hands be, of Brandon, the I hands think hands of me, the champion. <laughs> the referee, there, I think, made a bad uh, call. This is my game. No talking, please. That we would play a new game. And the way that this game works is very simple. What's going to happen is we're going to start with Melody. We're going to move to Chris and then go to Steven. We're going to stay in that order. I'm going to throw out a movie, and then Melody will have to respond by naming an actor that was in that movie. So, for example, let's say that I said Tom Cruise, and Melody said Edge of Tomorrow. Then Chris would have to name another actor that wasn't Tom Cruise from Edge of Tomorrow. So he could say Emily Blunt, and then Steven would have to name a movie that Emily Blunt was in. We go in order until two people are eliminated, and the last person standing gets one point. The first one to three wins the game. It's a shame that I can't play because I am the game champion, and I would yes. win this game as well. Oh, <laughs> right, whatever. But huh. I, will, I will be conducting the uh, the game tonight, and we're going to start with Melody. Uh, everybody got the rules? Everybody knows how we're going to do this? I have one question. Is there a time limit? 30. All right, let's do 30 Give seconds. 30 That's seconds. Let's and we're going to start with Melody. Melody, are you ready? I hope so. And your actor is Tom Hanks. Hmm. <laughs> Cast away. Cast away. Chris. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh very good. Uh, Helen Hunt? Oh, okay, excellent. Helen Hunt is correct. Steven, on to you. Ah, uh, okay. Um, Anthony Hopkins. Well, no, you have to name a oh, movie yeah. that uh, Helen Hunt was in. Oh. He's out. There oh, is that Helen Hunt was in? Uh, yes. So, uh. so there is no movie called Anthony Hopkins. Therefore, <laughs> you there are out. Be. Welcome to the screeners. Uh. Welcome to the screeners. Yes. Welcome to the so, brutal. We brutal. Will, we will now that continue. is brutal. We will now continue. It moves on to Melody, and it moves Helen Hunt to you. Oh, so we're still going in the same Still thing. going, yep. Okay. Um... Helen Hunt was in... 30 seconds. Oh, just a second. You hey, not, all... Don't be on the internet. I'm not on the internet. I'm thinking. 15 as seconds. As good as it gets. As good as it gets. There you go. Chris, as good as it gets. A movie I'm sure you saw. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Melody, Jack Nicholson to you. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Ooh, she's playing oh, dirty tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Chris, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and you have I've, 30 seconds. I've never seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest, so I have no idea who else is in it. I'm going to throw out a random name. It's going to be dumb. Sure. Yeah. Uh, was Robert Redford in that movie? Bah. Oh, so first point Nicely done. Nicely goes done. to Melody. One hey, I've got, point. I've got a question, Ref. Can yes. I ask a question, Ref? Yes, you can. Uh, is it only film, or can we go into the realm of television shows? We can shows? move into television shows, absolutely. Fantastic. As long as it happens organically. That is correct. Okay, okay. fantastic. Just want to make sure. So we are starting now with you, Chris. The score is one to zero to zero. Stephen has yet to answer either a movie or an actor. <laughs> hopefully, he will, hopefully he will get it right this time. We're gonna start. That with... was well done. I have to say, one flew over those cuckoo's Thank nest. You. That was well she's played. She's playing dirty. Hey man, she well started played. off with Castaway too. That's sneaky. <laughs> that was no, my my were, wife. I'm placed surprised to you win. didn't say Wilson. All right. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I should have. Right. Here we go, Chris. Your yes. movie is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Thirty seconds. 
boy. Um. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's trying to think of a tricky one. 15 seconds. Robert Redford. Robert Redford. All right, good, good, good. And Steven, Robert Redford, please. We're going to need a movie that he was in. Or you can because name Anthony he's my Hopkins. favorite yeah. actor in the world. <laughs> um. <laughs> or you can Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, Robert Redford. And you have yeah, 15 no. seconds. Um, it's okay. He's only one of the most famous actors of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I really don't like him. Ten seconds. Actively avoid his movies. <laughs> Four. Uh, what? Two. One. And Stephen is eliminated yes. again on yes. Robert Redford. Stephen, we are very happy to have I, you on the podcast, but Robert yes, Redford has been in like a million movies. Yes. I, I do I, not feel bad at all that I do not know the movies of Robert Redford. Oh, what? Saying that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, no, no. Wow. All right. Okay. All right. Melody. Okay. So I have to name a movie Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Indeed. That is correct. It moves to you, please. Okay. Sneakers. Sneakers. Ooh. All right. Melody. Good movie. She's that is dirty a good at movie. this movie. At well, this no, game. Not, not because not... of Robert Redford, though. Right. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, with Dan Aykroyd. Oh, Dan Aykroyd yes. is correct. Melody, to you. I don't you. know anything he was in. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Which one? The first one? Yep. One. Ghostbusters 1. Chris. I'm going to lose 30 seconds. This. <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, I'm going to go with Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis is correct. Melody, Harold Ramis, 30 seconds. I don't even know who that is. Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. Oh! <laughs> Boom! In Nicely your face, Chris. Magnabbit. <laughs> and it, it goes without saying, there are no repeats in a single round. So we're at Absolute Ghostbusters two thirty seconds. Oh boy! <laughs> Come on, Chris. This is sad. Well, no, there's a bunch. I'm trying to think of one of the most difficult. Fifteen seconds. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver to Melody. Mm. Thirty seconds. Aliens. Aliens. The sequel. Mm. Aliens. Excellent movie. Chris, Aliens, to you, 30 seconds. Uh, I'm going to go with Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is correct. Bill Paxton yeah. to you in 30 seconds. Um, what the heck is Bill Paxton? Oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge Shoot! of Tomorrow in your face <laughs> with the current throwback. Edge of Tomorrow, Chris, 30 seconds, go. Oh. You guys better not be cheating, by the way. I am not, not cheating. Not at all. Uh, 20 seconds. Shoot. I've totally been cheating. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> it's, it's obvious. Um, I'm going to go with... Oh, seconds. forget it. Just do... Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise to Melody. Tom Cruise. 30 seconds. Not like you. Don't pull a Robert Redford on us. This ought to be pretty easy. I know it's easy. I'm trying to think of a good answer. Um. Um. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> 15 um, seconds. There's all kinds of good answers that Chris would not know. <laughs> Uh, I, sh I should not have. Tropic Thunder. 
Oh, Tropic Thunder, oh. good movie. Chris will know that though. Thirty oh, yeah. seconds. No, you'll know it. I'm just glad you didn't you do should... like Born on the Fourth of July. No, you should have done uh, Cocktail. Would have been the one you should have. Yeah, done. that's yeah. what I was trying to think of, but it wasn't. Um, hey, Twenty seconds. What was it again? I'm so sorry. I forgot what the last Tropic thing you said. Um, was. Tropic oh, Thunder. Oh come on! Don't help him. Uh, what are that you, would that be Chris Helper. Yeah. Twenty seconds. It was twenty seconds, Robert like ten Downey seconds Jr. ago. Robert Downey Jr. Thirty seconds. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that's a good chick flick. Hmm. I don't like this. I, I'm always on the the actor Robert side. Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. That's because Stephen has yet to produce an answer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stephen. Oh my gosh. I can't Ten seconds. Iron Man. Iron Man. <laughs> the first one? Shut right, up. Here we are. Yes. Iron Man. Um, Iron Man. Let's see here. Um, 20 seconds. I'm going to go with, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of anybody in Iron Man. <laughs> my gosh. This is awful. 10, 9, Shut up, stop. 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. Pepper Potts is one. Zero. Oh my God, Chris. <laughs> I'm an idiot. You just lost on Iron Man. Gwyneth Paltrow. Samuel L. Jackson. I'm Terrence so Howard. I mean, come yeah, on. Terrence Howard. That's what, who else would you have said? Terrence Howard. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. I couldn't think of her name. Oh, who else? Man. Either of those two would have been totally acceptable. I know. But I'll take I should, the have point. Said, I should have said Samuel L. Jackson. That was almost out of my mouth, and I just. Wow. Melody right, dominating <sighs> the game. Two so to zero. One more. One more. Melody yeah. needs one more point to win. That was, a needs, good, that was a good round, though. That we, was a good round. We went, we went but that could have gone what, for a long time. That's but. what people that lose say, is that it was a good round. But it was a good Shut round. Shut up. All you need right. to jump in this. You need to jump in this. No, it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair, because all I do <laughs> is win. All, all right, it's so much go. easier when you're on that end, you know? It I'm is. It is. It is. All right. Here we go. We are down to Stephen. We're going to start with you now. I'm going to consider. I'm going to carefully consider this, <laughs> considering your recent history here. Oh Lord! Uh, I'm going to give you something geeky. Let's go with. Um, let's go with J.J. Abrams' Star Trek: The First Reboot in 2009. And to be clear, I name an actor from this film. That is correct. <laughs> or Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I do love Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Don't we all? And you have 30 seconds starting now. Okay. Um, this one I could go with a, a harder one. Yeah. Do sure. it. Do it. If I can remember her name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 10 seconds. You don't know anybody, do you? <laughs> well... You oh, five seconds. Something. Simon Pegg. Simon oh. Pegg. He pulls it out. Ladies and no. gentlemen, can we just have a moment? Let's have a hand for uh, Stephen oh. with his first answer. I, I applaud myself. Uh, Simon Pegg <laughs> was a good so answer. So proud. A that good was answer. a good answer. It goes to I feel Melody. Like I, Simon no, Pegg. Me? Yeah, it stays in order. You just oh. are not used to going after him because no, he hasn't right, been exactly. participating <laughs> in the first two rounds. Who, who is the, the girl in Star Trek? Aurora. Zoe, Zoe Saldana. That's yeah. who I wanted. Oh, well. Simon Pegg, Melody, you have 15 seconds. Oh, come on. Because you've 15. been talking instead oh, of thinking. Yes. Okay. Simon Pegg. Oh, my word. Why can't I think of 
10. Hot fuzz? Hot fuzz, it is. Chris, do you hot fuzz 30 seconds? Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, that is an old school reference. All right. Timothy Dalton is in that movie because sure. Chris has IMDb open because he's a cheater. Yeah, and he's now, not a cheater. Steven, so you have Timothy Dalton, 30 seconds. Go. Oh, is he the dude with the mustache? Don't know like popular having a mustache. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Okay. Take that as a no. Uh, Timothy Dalton. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yes, that was such a good so, movie. I just really love that movie. And with oh. that, folks, we bid adieu Goodbye. to Stephen. <laughs> he has been a, a not a good contributor, but an entertaining one. <laughs> And we thank him for his service. Melody, Timothy Dalton goes to you. 30 seconds starting Boom. now. Timothy Dalton. Isn't that like a James Bond guy? Mm. Uh, I don't know which James. I'm pretty sure it's James Bond. 20 seconds. We're going to say. Oh, I don't even know which one. Um, Let's go with the living daylights. Yes. What? Nice. 1987. How in the world the did you know that? Daylight. You are Melody. not amazing. You are cheating right now. That is I, amazing. I, I am going to appeal to Melody's sense of morality and say, <laughs> Melody, are you cheating? Yeah. No, I am not. That's Melody, are you cheating? I don't cheat. I right, don't need so to cheat. Which one is the that? answer is The Living Daylights from 1987. Chris, you have is 30 there... seconds starting now. Did that you check true. that? I did. It's it is. It is correct. The Living so Daylights. Awesome. And license well, to kill. Those let me say that I'm, I'm, it's my turn. Stop talking. I'm just going to say talking. My... Um, <laughs> this game two, separating marriages since 1985. Ten seconds. Oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Oh, uh, view to a kill. What are you I'm saying? Going to... You're supposed you to be picking out an the actor. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> and Melody wins. This is Why unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, you are cheating. Chris, How did you know that? You're the winner. Right, exactly. To this game with three points and a clean sweep of all the men, Man, Melody Farrell. Congratulations, Melody. Congratulations. Chris and Stephen, you need to hang, I, hang your heads I in shame. I challenge Not this. A single, I feel like point. she must have been cheating. There is no way she knew. Well, you married film. her. So That's baloney. You, you have you. every single Bond movie. We I have do. watched them many times. I do, yes. And I know most of the ones that are my more favorite Bonds. So mm. I'm glad that I chose one that wasn't. That's You're all right. I'm saying. She Amazing. did. You are well the winner. Done. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Screeners Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you listening and giving us some feedback. We're excited to uh, kind of begin to talk back with our listeners and, and open up a dialogue. A big thank you to Stephen for joining us on the podcast tonight. Thank you so much, man. We really enjoyed it. It was, it was a good time. Absolutely. This was great. Thanks. Uh, all right. Well, we've talked enough, I think. In fact, we've talked a whole lot. So now it's your turn. Look us up on Facebook where you can like our page. We can update you on our newest episodes, all sorts of other fun stuff happening over there. While you're there, let us know what you thought of this episode. Stop by screenerspodcast.com. Read our awesome show notes. Uh, they are really fantastic. We do a lot uh, with our show notes. I think this week in particular, we should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but I, I feel like we should mention the 
time codes so that you can skip through. So if you haven't seen Edge of Tomorrow, you can skip through and still hear uh, the game. All that kind of stuff is going to be included in the show notes. Really a fantastic resource. Send us an email, screenerscast at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear in future shows, and we'll do our best to respond. Thanks so much. Leave us an iTunes review, and we will see you next time on The Screeners. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.